0: Due to COVID-19, this podcast was recorded remotely and may contain adult language and themes.
1: Hello and welcome to TV DNA. We're going to be talking today about what we've been watching. We're also going to be previewing The Peaky Blinders final season, season six. I'm Adam and I'm here with Damo. Hello. And Neil. Hola. And Margot, who's tip-tapping around (laughs) in the background as I speak. Hopefully... She'll settle down soon. So, chaps, what have you been watching?
2: Well, I finished This Is Gonna Hurt, and it really didn't. I really enjoyed it. Who's finished it? I finished it. Yeah. Oh, we all have. Okay, cool. And also, for those who don't know, I work at a school and one of the kids at my school said that he'd been watching Euphoria, which is Sky Atlantic show, and so I thought, right, okay, I'll give that a go. And actually it's basically the kind of American equivalent of sex education, which we all love. And I've watched the first two episodes and really loved it. I mean it's it's darker than sex education, if you can imagine that to be the case i definitely recommend
1: yeah i've got thoughts on both i mean let's well let's cover euphoria first and then i think we can all talk about this is going to hurt i was very very tired when i started watching the first episode and and didn't fully engage with it i don't think but i i just feel like i'm i may be too old to watch Oh, Adam, you're younger than me, I
2: could engage with it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. For me, this was sex education without the humour. I know it's been raved about and lots of people are really enjoying Euphoria. I think I will watch more of it. Certainly, you know, the performances, it's very gritty. There's lots to admire about the show. I just wasn't 100% sure it was for me. It's very stylistic in the way that it's presented. I think that's what I struggled with when I had like 10 minutes to watch it before <laughs> yes. I fell asleep. I can see See what people really love about the show. And I've also been watching Zendaya in June today, so uh, I've had quite a lot of her in my life in the last couple of days.
0: Yeah, so I haven't been watching you for a bit. It has been watched in rooms that I am in, so I've kind of seen it whilst doing other stuff. And the thing that I found most interesting is the only thing I've seen Sidney Sweeney in was The White Lotus and the character that she plays in this is completely different. It's quite nice to see her range.
2: Zendaya at the moment is possibly one of my favorite actresses, whether it be greatest showman or whether it be Spider-Man, etc., I think she's absolutely awesome. And she is really awesome in this as well. I, I think anyone who's a fan of sex education will absolutely love this. And it's certainly darker than sex education. There is humour there, but certainly not as much. Obviously not giving away any spoilers as to what happens. But if that kind of programme is for you, then I absolutely recommend. And I would also say that for me, it takes me a couple of episodes of a series to properly realise whether I like it or not.
1: So don't, don't judge based purely on the first episode. Can we do a very quick what's this show about for those people who've never heard of Euphoria?
2: Yeah, it's basically about, I guess, in America, they'd say high school, I would probably say late teenage um, young people who are exploring and discovering their sexuality and also how to deal with drugs. That it's very drug-filled, more so than sex education. I guess at its heart, it's about young people finding themselves and discovering who they're going to be or who, who they think they might be and how getting into the drug scene can potentially take you down a, a very dark path. It also looks a lot at social media and it talks about, in the first two episodes about nudes and kind of sex videos almost being a currency and a way to find popularity within your peers whilst also showing how devastating that can be at the same time.
1: So there you go. If that's your bag, check out Euphoria on, on Sky or Now TV. Uh, the second season is out now. But yeah, we've all now watched This Is Going To Hurt. So let's chat about that. And we definitely should say at this point, there will be spoilers ahead. for this is going to hurt. But we'll put some time codes in the podcast description. So if you haven't watched it yet and we strongly encourage that you do so, you'll be able to avoid those. Yeah, This Is Going To Hurt. What did you think of the final few episodes?
0: Yeah, it was all right. I don't know. For me, it's a tricky one because obviously as the series goes on, we see about him kind of wrestling control of his personal life and, and, and trying to find a way to, to be and not be completely consumed by the NHS, the system which is just at the point of breaking. And obviously we see him at the point of breaking for the whole series and then we see Paul Shruti break. Well, we don't see her, but we're informed of her taking her life. So, yeah, so much happened. I didn't really see it coming until the direct address that she gave to camera, where she said, I tried. I thought, oh, fuck. So I thought that was, yeah, really powerful.
2: I I didn't see it coming at all. I wasn't prepared for that. And I really felt like it gave... I guess almost a dignity and a reason for telling the story. It gave the series gravitas for
1: me. I did know it was coming because when I started watching the episode, something flagged up that said this this episode references suicide. I think there's a whole other conversation we're not going to have tonight about trigger warnings and spoilers. Um, and obviously, there's a value to, definitely a value to having trigger warnings in shows. But for me, it kind of really you know, ultimately was a, was a flag to what was going to happen in the episode that I didn't necessarily want to know. And, but it was incredibly powerful. I criticise the character, saying he was unsympathetic. But I think overall, during the series, there's a definite character journey for Ben Whishaw's character, Adam Kay, throughout the series. But I was really rooting for their relationship as well. The relationship between Adam and his boyfriend and fiancé and you're just like, come on, you're really good together. Just find a way to make that work. They were really, really likeable characters together, I felt.
0: In short, must watch.
2: Yeah, it is, it's an absolute must watch. My dad isn't a big fan of anything that has a almost dominant homosexual part of the narrative and will refuse to watch things based on that. But I mean, probably none of our listeners uh, are like my dad. I think it's an amazing show just, to sh- just about the pressures that anyone who works in the NHS is facing. I-, I also thought the episode where you saw the difference between private and NHS was really fascinating as well. And the fact that it's come from a novel that was written by. Well, it was basically an autobiographical novel. Seriously, your life would be better by watching this.
1: Damo. So I've been
0: kind of busy, but I've managed to... Get a fair bit watched over the weekend So uh, a lot of it is very Netflixy, I have to say So I watched the Tindler Swindler Or the Tinder Swindler but It's very hard to say that You want to say Tindler Swindler And that was fascinating I certainly don't want to victim blame But it's absolutely crazy The way those people just gave him that kind of money But as it carries on you see how manipulative and, and kind of what his system is, and I don't really want to give any spoilers as to, to the end of that. It was about an hour and a half or an hour and forty minutes, I think, all in one. I thought it was a series. It's definitely interesting, especially if you have ever been on Tinder. It's uh, <laughs> it, you can see how, but for the grace of God, there goes I with that. Also been watching more of Inventing Anna with Julia Gardner, and um, I'm uh, so I'm up to about episode four. And I'm really struggling with it just because her accent is just so batshit crazy. But I think I probably will still see it through. Have either of you been watching Inventing Anna?
1: No, I had somebody else tell me that they could only bear 10 minutes of it so that they stopped watching and that's been enough to put me off.
0: That's fair enough. So what I will say is I think Julia Garner is, is doing a good job. The accent, yeah, is just really difficult and I am struggling. But I think she's such a good actor that I've kind of persevered through, but I can't remember a name now. I was about to call it Noam Chomsky, but it's not. It's Anna Chomsky. I think I've murdered her surname. Of my girl and Veep, fame is quite good in this, I think. I also watched Apple TV's new document, a uh, documentary. God, new drama Severance, starring Adam Scott, Britt Lower, and Patricia Arquette. As the kind of big names I mean Christopher Walken's in it as well But I haven't got that far I had to stop after the first episode Because it just felt like It was all style Not much substance And I didn't even like the style I think we got quite significantly Into the episode and I felt like What we've seen so far could have all been covered in 10 minutes Worth of TV, why has it taken 25? You know, I'm all for Holding back on what's going on In the narrative as a shock, but When it feels like you're doing it just to eke out the episode or maybe a a lack of of an actual good idea, you know, maybe I'm wrong. So if anyone has watched Severance and likes it, feel free to tell me I'm an ignoramus who doesn't know what he's talking about. But it was not for me. And then in my ongoing quest to watch the films for the Oscars, I finally watched Macbeth starring Denzel and Francis, amongst many other great actors, I thought that was brilliant. I can understand why it's not up for best film. Uh, It's very stylistic, but I think the two big performances are brilliant. Our mate Heath from The Walking Dead is great as Macduff. Yeah, I think it was really good. The only issue I had is Denzel is getting old, and you Mm. can see it in the way he moves. He's a bit tight in the hips, and I just the only thing I thought was like, well... Could he really be in the middle of a battlefield causing absolute chaos? Because he looks like he doesn't quite have the range of movement that you'd want. But I will say Francis McDormand's performance of Lady Macbeth is one of the few times where I've really felt like I've got the entirety of that fantastic character.
2: I cannot wait to watch this. Macbeth is very special to me in that it was what I studied at school and got me excited in Shakespeare, and that's been a large part of my life following. Played Macbeth professionally three times, once in Lithuania. And the whole character, the whole story is huge thing. And I remember a very distinguished actor telling me once the problem with Macbeth is that he starts off like he's in his 20s. And then around Act 3, he behaves as if he's middle-aged. And then by the final acts, he's an old man. And you can kind of see that in speeches and but in, in Act 5, or the kind of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. So I'm really interested by your feeling about Dental being too old, or well, not too old, but that he's getting old, because that's kind of the later part of Macbeth as a character and there's also evidence of apparently he was initially four hours long like Hamlet and covered uh, you know a much larger time span so no I'm really really interested in that because you know we, we've had actors of all different ages and all various levels of profile either on film or in theatre playing Macbeth
0: what I will say to follow on from that, Neil, you mentioning about the length Macbeth usually is, this comes in at a very pacey hour and a half. So we right. do lose a lot. I'm, I'm a fan of the old Malcolm Macduff scene that we don't really see. But uh, without wanting to get into a full textual discussion, I think uh, we still kind of get most of the greatest hit scenes in this. And as I said, Francis and Denzel, are both brilliant and it's interesting it's one of the cohen brothers or is it joel cohen on his own so i think some stylistic choices that i'm not 100 a fan of but i still think it's good
1: it's a relief to hear because the shorter the shakespeare the better as far as i'm concerned <laughs> anything else you you've been watching that you want to talk about well you had to watch famous comedy of errors adam i didn't have to it was a pleasure to
0: oh that's very kind and of course the comedy of errors is like uh, the most un-shakespeare-y shakespeare anyway it's like a, a farce and it's a genuinely funny play unlike some of shakespeare's other comedies so what i would say is yeah give it a crack i think we've got a good selection of films here that we're watching for the oscars so keep an eye out for our special oscar episodes when they come out but enough of what i've been watching adam what have you been watching
1: well, I've been watching a fair bit, as ever. I've talked about All of Us Are Dead a few times on this podcast, but I've had three or four episodes in the last week. It's a slow watch because the, the episodes are about an hour long each. It's a Korean show, so I have to be reading the show as well as watching it. So there's only certain circumstances when I can watch that. It's so good. Like, the number of characters and plot lines are set up. This is a zombie apocalypse that starts in a high school. So your A plot is a group of about seven or eight high school kids who each all have their own interesting and different perspectives on what's going on and the relationships within each other. But then there's so many other little characters and plots and you feel like Oh, this is being popped in. I wonder if this is just a bit of filler. But now I'm getting deeper into the series. They're all paying off. When those characters kind of interact with each other or something that one of them does impacts the main group or another character, it's brilliant. It's so good. I'm really, really loving it. The cast did a phenomenal job. Like, the zombie stuff is, is of a style of zombie that, you know, is very different to what we know in The Walking Dead. And there are kind of zombie rules that have been broken and aren't quite explained very well in it. But this is minor foibles for what I is a thoroughly enjoyable show. And I'm actually really enjoying taking my time over it. I think I've got about two and a half episodes left. So I'm gonna make sure that I've got a good amount of time to watch those when I do.
2: Well I, I'm not a fan of zombie TV shows. And if any of our listeners want to um where would
1: they This This is on Netflix, so it's twelve. It's twelve episodes long, and they're an hour each, which is why it's taken me sort of quite a while (laughs) to watch. But I am thoroughly enjoying it, and I think it keeps you going. There's moments of calm and peace and character development, and then there's moments of action and all the rest of it. Yeah, loving all of us are dead. I've also continued watching Bel Air. I'd watched the first episode of this last week. This is the fresh Prince Bel Air, remade as a drama. And it's great. It's really, really brilliant. I think I was swearing about how brilliant it was last week. Now four episodes in. This is on Sky and Now TV. The the thing that amazes me most is that Jabari Banks, who's a complete newcomer, is playing Will Smith. And Will Smith, when he was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, played Will Smith. And, it, and he's now gone on to be like an action hero and a serious film star and all the rest of it. Jabari Banks is making the character of Will Smith his own while still being so recognisable as Will Smith. And I just think it's a phenomenal achievement for such a young actor to, to do that. But the story's compelling, all of the characters and the cast are great. I'm a big fan of Bel-Air and looking forward to watching the end of that. I've also finished the Ozarks now. Storm Eunice did me a favour, basically, because I didn't have to go into work for some training. So it meant that I had a whole day at home with Catherine. So we were able to catch up on some Ozarks episodes and actually ended up finishing the first half of the final season. I think it's season four of the Ozarks. There's definitely some slow chunks in there in that season, but all paid off, all set up. Perfectly for the final seven episodes of the Ozarks.
0: So that won't give any spoilers. Having caught up today, I'm not fully there yet. That stuff at the end of season three between Wendy and her brother. I mean, how good is that? Wendy's brother in his final episode is just such a great performance. He surely has to be getting some noms for that.
1: Yeah, I I mean, the impact of that. You know, carries through this whole seven episodes of this this first half of the final season. Although, obviously, Wendy's brother isn't physically in the show anymore. His presence is kind of felt throughout, and certainly through what Laura Linney is giving throughout the rest of the season. Much like Banquo's ghost. Indeed. He's the veritable Banquo of the Ozarks. <laughs>
0: what else have you been watching, mate?
1: So one more, I've been meaning to start this for weeks, finally got around to it. I watched the first episode of Archive 81. I watched it late at night. I was scared shitless. There's a real shiny-esque feel to this situation. There's a young guy who's restoring videotapes. He's kind of bringing things that are lost back to people. So he restores cassettes and videotapes. He's asked to restore a series of tapes by this mysterious organisation. He initially says no, but he finds a link between himself in his past and one of the people in these videos and that's kind of what pushes him to go and do it the first episode was just truly terrifying it's why i started watching euphoria i thought i watched something that's a little bit different from this and i definitely don't think i'm going to do all of us are dead back to back with archive 81 but all i'll say at this point is that mamadou at And Dina Shahabi, who are the two main leads of the show, are incredibly watchable. But yeah, if you do not like horror, then I would stay away from Archive 81. But I've heard lots of good things about it. I'm really excited about watching the rest of it. Now, I've continued watching Station Eleven, After Party, Suspicion, and Pam and Tommy, all of which, you know, progressing nicely. I haven't yet caught up on Trigger Point. Have you, Damo?
0: No, I haven't watched this week's episode, no. Been too busy.
1: Cool. I've got a few bits of what's coming soon now. A couple of exciting bits. By order of whom? By order of the Peaky Blinders, (laughs) I need to tell you about a couple of shows that are coming up before we do our Peaky Blinders preview. So very excitingly, on Friday the 25th of February on Amazon Prime, there is a show called Wolf Like Me. This stars Isla Fisher and Olaf from Frozen, or Josh Gad, as he's better known. And the blurb goes... Widower Gary lives in suburban South Australia with his 11-year-old daughter, Emma, both struggling to connect. One day, Gary and Emma meet Mary, a stranger who helps Emma after she suffers a panic attack. Surprised, Gary and Mary go on a date that ends with Mary racing out the door. That was like every date I've ever been on. <laughs> I have it on good authority that this is a pretty good show, but it comes out on Friday on Amazon Prime. So there's one I'm definitely going to be picking up. And the other show that I wanted to mention is out now, actually, on the BBC iPlayer, is Cheaters. They're 10-minute episodes. There's 18 episodes in, in the season. They're only 10 minutes each, which I think is quite exciting. A chance meeting after a cancelled flight, a sexy, messy comedy about love, morality, monogamy, and how the heart, brain, and loins are idiots who are never on the same page. Stars Josh Maguire, Susan Wacoma, Caddy Cook, and Jack Fox.
2: This sounds perfect, in that you could probably binge it of an evening, or you could just kind of watch a couple of episodes an evening. That
1: sounds exciting, and I think I could probably fit it into my schedule. I'm going to do the maths for you there. 18 episodes, 10 minutes each. So it's three hours if you wanted to binge the whole thing. The only other show that I know that's coming soon, Damien, is one that you mentioned before, which is Viking Valhalla's. Do you know when that's out? Is it 28th, I believe? Could be wrong. But Viking
0: Valhalla.
2: I thought I was in the Nordic region just then.
0: Thank you. The 25th of February sees us. Well, I don't know if it's a full release or if it's a weekly release. So far, I can only see episode one and two are dropping on the 25th. Who knows what this would be like? But if it's anything like the original Vikings on the History Channel, I think it's going to be a must watch.
1: So, the eagerly awaited... I mean, I'd started watching the Feaky Blinders. I rushed through the first five seasons to make sure I was ready for a February release date, thinking that it might be early February. But actually, it's not. It's happening on the final day of February, pretty much, Sunday the 27th, because everyone knows February has 27 days. <laughs> yes. Except delete you when it has 26. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Peaky Blinders, the final season, is coming to our screens. I believe it's going to be coming out weekly. I hope so, because we're planning on weekly episodes talking about this with our good friend Grace Chapman. Damien, can you remember how long ago it was that you watched season five?
0: Too long ago. So I watched season five last during lockdown. So I believe it was the end of 2021. Raluca hadn't watched it at all. And uh, yeah, she loved it. She's obviously, like most of us, a very big fan of Killian and of Tom Hardy. It's kind of all loosely still in my mind. I might have to to rewatch the final episode of Series 5 just to get me back into the exact moment where we're at. But there is some information available on the first episode of Series 6. Do you want to reveal that information? Yeah. All right. (laughs) I didn't know whether you had that or not, Adam. Sorry. So I've found that episode one is called Black Day. And the blurb is Tommy sets off to North America where the end of prohibition brings new opportunities. But he faces new danger from an old adversary who is finally making his move. Now, I have a fairly strong idea as to who that might be.
1: Who do you think that's going to be?
0: I think it's going to be Michael. He and Gina obviously at the beginning of season 5 are in New York when there is the Wall Street crash. Michael, while being pushed by Gina has been looking to take over the family business.
1: Yeah, I definitely think they're going to be a, a major part of what happens in this next season. And um, the trouble is he's got so many enemies. Like could this be, you know, Alfie Solomon's coming back Tom Hardy's character? So the end of the last season, there was an assassination plot against Oswald Mosley, and it failed, spoiler alert, but it failed. So I'm curious to see who it was who, who basically grasped them up. I mean, obviously, Michael and Gina are suspect there.
0: You mean they're the main suspect, right? Because that's the final scene is basically her saying to him, maybe we should take the bull by the horns ourselves. And I think that's probably a good way to do that, is to let Oswald know and then have Oswald take care of of Tommy.
1: Yeah, there's also Billy Glide, who's the football fixer, who finds out from Finn Shelby what's going on and then as soon as Finn leaves the room, picks up the phone to make a phone call, whether that's a red herring or not. There's definitely a few potentials in there who it could be, and maybe we'll we'll never find out. Who knows? I wanted to just refer back to what you were saying about the title. So the episode title for Series 5, Episode 1, was Black Tuesday, which was referring to the, the Wall Street crash. And then the second episode of Season 5 was Black Cats, which was all about Tommy's superstition about someone betraying him.
0: One of the most exciting things about this final series of Peaky Blinders. Who is our big star for the series? Everyone's best mate, Stephen Graham. So that will be exciting to see what, you know, what he, his character brings. I mean, I'm looking here and I'm not seeing a name for Stephen Graham's character. I, have, I mean, I haven't looked too deeply, but I guess they're deliberately holding off on that until just before that episode comes out.
1: Yeah, it feels like it's going to be a big introduction, doesn't it? Because there's been no clues online. I've also scoured the internet to try and find out who Stephen Graham is playing in this show. But yeah, there's, there's nothing out there. We're also getting youngster Conrad Khan joining the cast, um, which is very exciting. There's clearly going to be a big absentee from the cast in this season in, in the Helen McCrory, who we sadly lost recently will not be playing Aunt Paul, who was such a major part of the show. I think it's inevitable that Aunt Paul as a character will still loom large over the Peaky Blinders in this final season.
0: I think it also gives scope for an almost guilt-free execution of Michael Gray as well. The only thing that's kept him alive so far is Aunt Paul. So, I mean, I wonder what that does to the dynamic of the narrative, But, you know, obviously we don't have Grace here, who is another big Peaky Blinder fan.
1: Yeah, so we should say our plan is, as well as our Walking Dead episodes, which if you're not listening to, I mean, make sure you've watched all 11 seasons of The Walking Dead so far before you do start listening to them, but um, you should be checking that out. We're also going to be running Peaky Blinders episodes with our good friend Grace who has been absent from the podcast for a short while. Now, Grace did send me... Hello,
3: Grace here. I thought I would just... Grace, hang on a minute. I haven't finished introducing you. Grace, there are rules in
0: this recording this podcast. Put your hand up before you speak.
1: So, yes, Grace has sent me a little audio file of what she's been watching recently. I know she's very excited about the Peaky Blinders. Here's a little bit of Grace Chapman.
3: Hello, Grace here. I thought I would just check in and give a brief respite to what I believe is just a load of chat about, is it some sort of hiking zombies or something like that? Probably some sort of intergalactic chat as well. And so I thought I would just check in and let you know what I've been watching and probably, let's face it, bring the tone down. So I did finish Dope Sick, which was as devastating as it was brilliantly made. We've spoken about it a lot, but if you haven't seen it yet, it comes with a very, very high recommendation from us. It was brilliant. And honestly, the only other thing I started watching and I started it yesterday and demo, I actually started this really with you in mind. Um, So it's called Love is Blind. It's on Netflix It's a dating show whereby people, well, essentially ask each other to marry each other, but they don't see each other in the flesh. (gasps) What? You heard me. So they're in all these little pods, right? And they're chatting to each other and they date each other. And then eventually they choose one other person to propose to, but they don't know what they look like in person. Then they get to see what they look like. There's a big reveal. It's high drama, high drama moment. And then they go off and they live together and eventually they work towards a wedding day where they possibly get married for real. So essentially, I would describe it as sort of Emmy Award winning, incredible script, you know, just brilliant cast. No, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of tripe, basically, on Netflix that I'm really, really enjoying. Is love blind? I'll let you know next week. Oh, nice. Hope <laughs> you have a lovely evening and that's me out bye is that how you met maluka no that was definitely tinder swindler stuff
0: there
1: i have so many questions about this what are these pods that they are in you know what do they do in there that they don't see each other we'll have to quiz grace further on love is blind
0: i don't know what sounds worse that or the intergalactic chat
1: (laughs) well we're definitely on a hiatus from intergalactic conversations for the time being until another Star Wars or other sci-fi shows are available. So we'll be chatting about that for a little while. Neil and I enjoyed it. So that's it. Potentially coming to your ears three times a week. We're going to be busy over the next six weeks. So if you're watching anything exciting, or if you want to hear us talking about something a little bit more, let us know what you think. Give us a rating and a review, and you can contact us on the socials, Neil.
2: Well, I have had a letter from Malcolm from Lesser Bumblefuck. I haven't quite worked out whether he's a relation to margaret but at the moment during the investigation she can't talk to me but he was asking what's going on and whether there was an easier way of trying to get in contact with us and the advice i give malcolm is if you type into google tv dna or one word no gap then the first thing that comes up or certainly for me before this podcast is TV DNA podcast on Apple Podcasts. And it's us. I mean, how amazing is that? So if you want to tell your friends about us, just type
1: in TV DNA and you will find us. That's genius, Neil. So there you go. Just type in TV DNA. I I think, yeah, you've got to scroll down to the third option on Google to get the Facebook. Fourth is the Twitter. I just want to say very quickly, if you're only on Instagram, and it's, it's TV DNA pod on the Instagram. But yeah, that's a really good revelation, Neil. I really love the fact that if you type in TVDNA, we're the first thing that pops up there. How good are we? Thanks, chaps. It's been a pleasure as ever. Good night. Goodbye. Buenos noches. Bye. Ben Wishel's character for Alex K. throughout, you know, throughout the series. So I found that... Adam quite- K. What did I say? Alex. Oh, I don't know why I forgot that name.